which makes me think that maybe this is a little bit extreme, but I kind of think that saying that women suffer from imposter syndrome is really women being gaslit by society. Welcome to the Step Into Clarity podcast. I'm your host, Marissa, founder of Quill & Co. and mentor of other designers just like you. Step into clarity with me as I have candid conversations about both the growth and the goof-ups of navigating this wild ride of online business. Welcome back to another episode of the Step Into Clarity podcast. I am so excited that you're here with me today. In this week's episode, I wanted to chat through my own personal feelings on imposter syndrome in hopes that it helps any fellow designers that are going through something similar. I know that there's a lot of talk out there in the creative space around imposter syndrome, but not really enough around the root of it. And I just launched a brand new course in my business that brought up a lot of feelings of doubt for me, honestly. So this topic is really fresh in my mind today. So today I want to talk through how imposter syndrome shows up for me in my business and personally how the term itself has always felt a little bit off to me and some steps that both you and I can use to tackle this very real societal problem. Probably heard the term by now or maybe even experienced it. If you're a designer, an entrepreneur, woman, or really any person in the creative capacity, I'm sure that you're aware of imposter syndrome by now. But just in case you aren't aware, imposter syndrome can show itself in many different forms. So from doubting your skills, your abilities, your knowledge, or just feeling like a fraud or like you don't belong in your space, it can even lead to thinking that you've only gotten to where you are now because of just like sheer luck and not because of your talent and hard work. So for background, the whole concept of imposter syndrome was discovered in 1978 by, I hope I say that their names correctly, but it was discovered by Pauline Clance and Susan. Imes. At the time, they called it the imposter phenomenon. And in their research, they found that these high achieving women were not able to internalize their own success, despite of like all of the real achievements that they had accomplished and like all of their accolades. And so in their research paper, they write, and I'm going to quote this, despite their earned degrees, scholastic honors, high achievement on standardized tests, praise, and professional recognition from colleagues and respected authorities, these women do not experience an internal sense of success. They consider themselves to be imposters. Women who experience the imposter phenomenon maintain a strong belief that they're not intelligent. In fact, they are convinced that they have fooled anyone who thinks otherwise. Maybe you have had these same exact thoughts. I know that I've had them creep up into my life now and then. If you've ever had these feelings or thoughts like this, I just want you to know that you are not alone. And when I was doing research for this podcast, I found that about 70% of people had feelings just like this through a spectrum of all types of people, no matter if you were quote unquote high achieving, whatever that means, or if you were a woman or wherever you identify on the gender spectrum, this affects 
a lot of people. And so I want to talk a little bit about my own experience with imposter syndrome. And it's something that a lot of women, designers or not, struggle with today and including myself. I feel it right now. Like, who am I to talk on this subject? Who am I for like other people to come to and listen, talk about anything really? And I feel it every time I do a podcast episode or every time I send an email or write a caption. I feel it in waves like this full of self-doubt and fear and worry about what other people are going to think. And then other days, I'm just like so excited about what I'm doing and I just feel so sure about what I'm doing. Imposter syndrome shows up for me in my business by making me think that I'm not capable of the things that someone might ask me to do. Like for one example, um, where I like really self-sabotaged was when a big potential client came along. So it was a sales call with a celebrity alcohol brand to help with their brand strategy and do a brand identity refresh and then do some brand management for them. And it was like an absolute dream job, right? Like really big project, high visibility. It would have been so much fun. Like also my dream industry outside of Quill & Co. I also own a mobile bar. So like a we do bartending for weddings. I've worked in food and beverage for a long time before doing this. So food and beverage and spirits has always been like just a big part of my life. So it's always been something I've been really interested in. So it felt like such an aligned project and I was so excited about it. And it was a woman founded spirits company. Just everything about it was really exciting to me, but it was also a really big project, like the biggest project I would have ever worked on and not an opportunity that comes along that often. But my mind immediately went to I'm not qualified to do this. So I self-sabotaged like in every way possible. My proposal to them, in my follow-up with them, and just like my whole mindset and things that I was telling myself around this potential project. I just remember thinking to myself, I hope I don't get it because I didn't want to fail. And I didn't think that I was qualified to do this. Whereas like if I look at it on paper, why not me? Like why can't I do that? Just because it's a bigger project or has more visibility doesn't mean that I'm not capable of doing it. I feel imposter syndrome also like when people in my real life ask me about work. I'm always really bad at taking compliments. I'm usually just like, oh, thanks. I mean, it's nothing. Or I just get really small when people ask me about work. I give like short, vague answers. I just internally tell myself that no one really cares. They're just asking to be polite, which isn't true. It's just like this crazy story that I'm telling myself. And I think that this is because I'm also not good at remembering things that I should be proud of. Like when people ask how work is going, I always just kind of blank because I'm not good at being like, oh yeah, I did this. So when people ask me about things, I just freeze and say, oh, things are good. Whether this is imposter syndrome manifesting itself or it's just the nature of owning your own business, but I just always feel like this constant feeling of anxiety around a lot of actions that I take or that I don't take or just self-doubt in general. I don't know, maybe it's a mental health issue that I need to look into, or maybe it is just like this lingering idea of imposter syndrome. If you're feeling those things, I want you to know you're not alone. That's kind of like a long-winded rambling rant of my feelings around imposter syndrome and how it 
shows up in my life. Anyway, I digress. <laughs> so I wanted to talk about the name imposter syndrome too, because I just have always kind of gotten a little ick from it. Even though I can identify with the feelings of imposter syndrome, the name imposter syndrome has never really resonated with me. It comes off as like strong and medical and like a diagnosis, a syndrome. And so I was reading this article from the Harvard Business Review, and it's titled Stop Telling Women They Have Imposter Syndrome. And I'll link it in the show notes because it's important. It's a really good read. In the article, the two ladies, Rushika and Jodi Ann, I hope I'm pronouncing their names correctly, they write, imposter syndrome or doubting your abilities and feeling like a fraud at work is a diagnosis often given to women. But the fact that it's considered a diagnosis at all is problematic. And then they go on to write that the concept that was developed in the 70s during their research, they totally excluded any types of effects from systemic racism, from classism, xenophobia, or any other biases that could have taken place that would have caused this universal feeling of discomfort, second guessing, and this overall mild anxiety in the workplace. Then they say, the answer to overcoming imposter syndrome is not to fix individuals, but to create an environment that fosters a number of different leadership styles and where diversity of racial, ethnic, and gender identities is viewed as just as professional as the current model. So I love that they go into this idea of calling it a syndrome makes it seem like the person who is experiencing it is flawed or sick, or just has something wrong with them. By calling it a syndrome, it puts kind of the blame on the person experiencing it instead of questioning the overall environment that we live and work in. So maybe it isn't women's fault for thinking they aren't qualified or smart enough. Maybe it's society's fault for constantly telling women these same exact things. And then when a woman says that they're experiencing these things, then society calls it a syndrome, something flawed within the person experiencing it. So overall, I get the feeling that imposter syndrome is treated like a personal problem. We're told that it's our fault for feeling this way and that we need more confidence or that we're too worried that people won't like us. And just that very idea that we're told that it's something made up or a distortion in our minds and like not the real thing, actual things that we experience every day, which makes me think that maybe this is a little bit extreme, but I kind of think that saying that women suffer from imposter syndrome is really women being gaslit by society. Is it imposter syndrome or is it gaslighting? Maybe we could reclaim the term imposter syndrome and like give it a new name. Maybe instead of calling it imposter syndrome, we could just say like, I'm experiencing self-doubt or I'm going through growing pains. I really like that one because I think that we tend to get into that mindset of self-doubt when we are going through new things. I think that when we're kind of pushing ourselves outside of, outside of what we know or we're breaking into a new us, it's uncomfortable. It's an unknown area. And so we doubt that we belong there and we start to self-sabotage or think that we should make ourselves small. I don't know. I think saying something about growing pains just resonates with me more. Also, when I was reading about imposter syndrome and different articles online, when I was kind of gathering my thoughts around this episode. A lot of it came up around the workplace and how people experience it as at work. So whether you have a boss or you work alone, I think that we experience it 
so much when we're self-employed or freelancers as well because we're constantly promoting ourselves, right? Like we have to sell our services or our products or whatever it is that we're offering. That can be uncomfortable and that self-promotion can just like push us a little bit. And women are often taught to not be boastful. And we begin to think, I can't possibly live up to my own hype or they're going to see that I'm not as good as my bio makes it out to be. And I think that that's the extra pressure that we might be feeling when we are self-employed or or freelancers. Well, I hate that it's directed at women to do the fixing of this than the culture or environment that we live in to do the fixing. Here are some tangible things that I have done that I think help. So I keep a sunshine folder and this is basically a folder on my computer of different screenshots, either of direct messages or emails or any type of positive feedback that I've gotten from a client or sometimes from friends, just different basically love notes. And it's a gallery of positive feedback to look at. So when you're feeling down or you're doubting yourself, it can be nice to just go back and see that proof that you're you're creating a positive impact on other people. Another thing is to write down everything that you're really good at. It could be big. It could be small. It could be things like, I'm really good at baking. I am really good at being a good friend. And I think just sitting with that and in a judgment-free zone where you don't feel like you're being boastful and just celebrating what you're what you're good at is really important. Another thing is finding a community, finding people that are experiencing similar things as you that are going to cheer you on and support you and give you the push that you need. Just kind of being gentle with yourself. I think this is like a wishy-washy tip because it's so much easier to say than it's actually to do. But I think we're all just trying to do our absolute best. We all have good days and we all have bad days and we also have really shitty days and everyone's running their own race. Another thing is to look for real proof. Like you have a great portfolio. You make amazing work. You practiced and you earned it and you worked with those clients. And so put yourself in your client's shoes. They are really excited to work with you. Like they saw amazing results from your work. And oftentimes our skills are recognized by everyone else around us except ourselves. Like your clients are looking at you being like, wow, They make amazing work and I'm so excited to work with this person. Another thing which might be my favorite way is when you're feeling these feelings of self-doubt, maybe it's like this voice in your head that's telling you you're not smart enough or you're not good enough. Ask yourself the simple question and just be like, and? So we've pressured ourselves into thinking that we have to know everything and we have to have the answer for everything and we have to be an expert at everything. But what if instead, when we have these thoughts, when we think you're not smart enough and, or you're not good enough, and just question it. It's not our job to be the best at everything. Instead, we can just live in this state of constant learning and being curious. I know for me, a part of imposter syndrome stems from comparison. So we see someone else getting our dream client or launching a course or a new product or whatever your goal is, and your brain deems them worthy of that success, but not ourselves. We think that they have done all of the right steps to have earned that. Or we think if we go after that dream client or talk on that subject or launch that course, a peer will call us out as unworthy of it. 
I've been lucky enough to have some close friendships with other designers who are a little bit farther in their careers than I am. And I want to let you know that we are all making it up as we go. Like every single new step or place that we get to in business, like we don't really know what we're doing. (laughs) We're just trying our best, right? There is no secret finish line for entrepreneurs where you've like, quote unquote, finally made it. Nothing about me or anyone else is more worthy of success. There is nothing you have to accomplish No amount of clients you have to take on, like no monetary goal you have to make for you to be worthy of your success and to own it. And if someone ever makes you feel unworthy of your accomplishments, remember that it's really a reflection of them and not you. A lot of today's episode and this topic was me talking through my feelings out loud. My word of the year is still fearless, but being fearless doesn't come without doubt and self-sabotage and worry and like absolute dread. Every big decision or move that I make in my business, a small voice is like still rising up and makes me feel unworthy to show up in this capacity. And I think that it's something that I try to overcome every day. And I am dedicated to reclaiming imposter syndrome and to own how I can make change in my business and hopefully in my design community. So I want to end by listing some things that I'm proud of in my personal life and business. And yes, even as I planned this out, there was a tiny voice worried that this will come off as braggadocious and someone listening out there might roll their eyes. But I think that it's really important to just claim what we're proud of. Why is being proud of ourselves and our accomplishments a bad thing? And why has society made us feel that way? I'm scared to share this. Okay. I am proud of the business that I've built so far. I'm proud of all of the hard work that I've put in. And I'm proud of all of the clients that I've gotten to work with so far. We've gotten to work with like some really big clients. And I'm proud of my team. I'm proud that I was able to buy a second house with 20% down. That's something that like I never thought in a million years I'd be able to do. I'm proud of my relationship with my fiance. I'm proud that I have built a life that also allows me to rest and have space and be able to wake up at the time that I want to wake up without an alarm clock. That seems really silly, but it's true. (laughs) Okay. Now I have a vulnerability hangover. So let me know what you're proud of. Send me a DM or send me an email or any way that you want to let me know. I want to know what you're proud of because I don't think that we get to share it enough without feeling like we'll be judged for it or feeling like an imposter or just feeling feelings of self-doubt like we don't deserve these things. Thank you so much for joining me on this week's episode. I would be thrilled to know if any of this resonated with you. Send me a DM on Instagram at quillandco.design. I can't wait to continue this conversation. And of course, as always, I welcome your feedback on topics to cover going forward. So go ahead, send me a DM on Instagram. I cannot wait to say hi to you.